even in churches within our fellowship, this same kind of issue finds itself. And it's a problem. And it's a sin that must be overcome for us to better serve God. So hold your finger there in Romans chapter 15. We're going to get into it in just a second. But I want to share a personal story because as we deal with lessons designed to correct, this lesson is designed to correct me too. I'm not perfect in this. I'm not innocent in what we're going to be dealing with. I'm guilty of some of the same sins that we're going to be looking at tonight. But several years ago when I was a young adult, I worked um, in construction. At one time I worked for a window company that would install windows in new construction of homes. And I remember that I was on the job site one time. I was probably like 19, 20 years old. And we were framing in some windows at a job site there in North Visalia, um, putting this house together, you know, getting it built. And I had a couple co-workers with me that were also framing in windows at the same time. And when you're working with people on a regular basis, you talk about all sorts of things. You know, we would talk about families. Most of the time as young guys, we talked a lot about hot rods. But besides talking about cars, I remember one time we're there putting in these windows in this house and across the way in some of the houses that were already built, there were some people handing out religious literature. And because those individuals were handing out religious literature, a discussion happened between me and my coworkers about church. Now, they knew that, that I went to church. They knew that I was involved in, in different church activities, and I tried to carry myself in a way that was morally upright, you know, working in construction. It can be a rough crowd, but I tried to stand out in, in a godly way, even in that environment. Well, the discussion started going down the path of what did those particular people believe that were knocking on those doors. Well, I could tell by the literature that they're handing out and so on what religious group they were a part of. So... 19-year-old overzealous me went into this whole spiel about all these things that those particular churches were doing that I thought was wrong. And I laid it out. I said, well, it was founded by this person, and they're preaching this doctrine, and they're teaching this, and this is wrong, and that is wrong. And I'm going on and on and on about how wrong these individuals were. Job site ended, we ended up getting back in the truck, um, went back to the yard, and I went back home. And I remember at the end of the day thinking, all right, I did my Christian duty today. I evangelized. I showed my coworkers how those people were so wrong. And I, and I felt good about myself with it. I was like, yeah, you know, I got it all together. Watch out, Paul, here comes Cliff, right? I mean, I'm, I'm ready to change the rule. But looking back on that situation now, I think, you know what, not once in that conversation did I talk about Jesus. Not once did I even point, if I thought those individuals were wrong, not even once did I show what was right. I just really wanted to show my coworkers why I was right and why everybody else was wrong. It made me feel good to feel right. But let's think about this situation. Now, I think um, some of the things I may have said back then, I don't know the whole conversation about certain belief systems, probably were correct in some sense, but just because at that moment I proved other people wrong, did that mean that I was right? See, we do a good job sometimes in criticizing others, whether it be individuals, whether it be churches, whether it be political parties, whether it be political candidates, we're really good at, at criticizing others, but just because we can point out what might be wrong with someone else does not make us right. 
But I thought it did. I thought, well, if I can just show my coworkers how right this guy is, well, then they're going to be all about what I'm about. They're going to want to be Christians. They never asked me for a Bible study. They never said, hey, share your faith with me. We just kind of sat there mocking, really, the belief system of someone else. What I was doing there wasn't evangelism. It wasn't outreach. It wasn't teaching people about Jesus. It was really when it came down to it, I was trying to brag on myself while putting down others. And I'm reminded of a passage in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 27, in verse 2, it says, Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. Which, by the way, bookmark that verse. That works in so many different places, right? That's a powerful verse. Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. See, we like to go around sometimes telling everybody how right we are as opposed to letting others come to maybe that conclusion. We like to toot our own horn. We like to praise ourselves. Or we like to do what the Bible calls the sin of boasting. Boasting, bragging, exalting oneself. That's a sin throughout Scripture, specifically in the book of Romans. So tonight as we look at the book of Romans, I think you're going to see very plainly that we have no right, even if we are maybe correct in an area, to brag, to boast, to hold our heads up and noses up high and look down upon everybody else. The problem that the Roman church was having at this time was a problem of bragging. Boasting, if you think about it, you had a very diverse church. You had Jewish Christians, you had Gentile Christians. They're from all sorts of different religious backgrounds. The Gentiles had all sorts of different idols and gods that they worshipped. The Jews had various sects within Judaism that they were binding. And all these people were supposed to come together and be one in Jesus Christ. And they weren't getting along. Everybody was looking down their nose at everybody else and thought that they were better. So Paul has to write this letter to them, the book of Romans, and one of the main points he tells them over and over and over again is, look, stop boasting because you have no right to Reason being is seen throughout this book. Back in chapter 3, verse 23, he tells the Christians there in Rome, if you're new to the Bible, the book of Romans is a letter written by one of Jesus' apostles to Christians like us. Well, one of the issues that he deals with there is their bragging and boasting, and he tells them you shouldn't boast, chapter 3, verse 23, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Don't brag about and boast about how good you are because you're not good. That's his idea, right? You're not perfect. You're not sinless. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So because of that, don't toot your own horn. Don't brag and walk around like you're better than everybody because all have sinned. And he goes on, if you want to hold your finger, Romans 15, and turn back a few chapters. In Romans chapter 3, in that same section, in verse 27, he lets them know it's not your own even righteousness that comes from obedience that saves you. Look at chapter 3, verse 27. He says, where then is boasting? He goes, so, so why are you boasting? He says, is it excluded? By what kind of law? Of works? No, by a law of faith. Now, if that sounds confusing to you, here's what it is. A lot of the Jewish Christians were saying, well, we're better than you because we keep the law perfectly. We follow it. And Paul says, well, that's not what makes you righteous. And you want to make application of that. It's not any kind of rule keeping that makes us righteous. It's not even whether or not we follow the New Testament to a T that makes us 
righteous. It's the grace of Jesus Christ that's placing our faith and trust in him. You can do everything the Bible says and not have faith in Jesus and still be lost. Salvation does not come from perfect rule keeping. So because of that, we can't brag. You go on chapter 4, verse 2. He says, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. But you read in that chapter, Abraham wasn't justified by works. He was justified by faith. So because of that, he can't brag. He can't go, well, you know, I'm the father of many nations. I follow God's law. God chose me, therefore I'm better than you. No, Abraham can't do that. In fact, he was made righteous even before he did works of the law like circumcision and sacrificing son and all that. Then he can, or because of that, he cannot boast. So the book of Romans then basically throws out this question to us, and the question is, what's left to boast about? If you can't brag about your righteousness, if you can't brag about your sinlessness, if you can't brag about your obedience, should you be bragging? No. We should not be boasting. Nothing that we have done is good enough or makes us able to boast. Look at back then at chapter 15 where we began. Chapter 15 in verse 17, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Therefore in Christ Jesus... I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. If anybody could brag about what they've done for God, it'd be Paul. Converting people, establishing churches, changing the world. But yet he says, I can't even brag about myself. In fact, I can only talk about what Jesus is doing through me which is resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. Jesus, through Paul, made it possible for others like the Gentiles to be saved. Paul is saying that nothing, nothing that we have done, we can brag about because we haven't done anything. Only that God has done. So because of that, we have no right to boast. But here's where I make us a little bit uncomfortable tonight. I think we're all guilty of it. I think our church is guilty of it. I think many churches, probably most churches, are guilty of it. I think I am, as a Christian, guilty of it. And I would probably say that many Christians are guilty of boasting. Now, it doesn't come across usually as us saying, everybody listen up, I'm better than you. We don't usually say that. We don't usually put on a billboard out front that says, by the way, we're the best. Every other church is lame. We don't, we don't do things like that. But we will say things that can be boastful in their intent. Now, we might not sub or consciously make a point of saying, all right, now I'm going to make a brag kind of underhanded and see if people catch it. No, but we say things sometimes that show that we struggle with boasting. I'll give you an example. Maybe we're in a Bible class setting, and the, the speaker in the Bible class opens it up for comments on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whenever it is that we're having a Bible study, and someone raises their hand, and the speaker calls upon that person, and the person then begins down a comment or a rabbit hole, a path of saying, well, the church down the street does whatever. Be careful. We could be going down the path of boasting. Or one of our favorite terms that we like to use 
in, in the churches of Christ, and we'll say things like, well, denominations teach. And then we don't realize that to those that are in different backgrounds than us, those that might be visiting with us, those that could be learning for the first time go, wow, these people seem kind of arrogant. Or we say things like, well, other churches, they just want to have their ears tickled. They, they, they just want to hear things that make them feel good. By proxy, we're saying, we're not like that. Right? We're saying, well, if that's all they want to do, then, well, we would never, ever, ever be guilty of wanting our ears tickled. We don't like feel-good messages. We're so much more righteous. Or we say things like this. If people just sat down and read, or if they were just honest, they would believe like I believe. Think about what we're saying when we make a statement like that. We're saying that people that don't believe like us don't read their Bibles. Does that sound insulting? Or we're saying they're not honest. Let's ask the question. I know many of us come from all sorts of different church backgrounds. When you had a, at that time, you maybe had a different understanding of Scripture. I, I, I know that. But were you a reader of God's Word? Many of you probably were. Were you honest? I bet you you were. So by us making statements like that, we are boasting and saying things like, well, we're the only ones that are honest, no one else is. Or one that I hear a lot of times in preacher circles is they'll say, well, sound brothers believe this. So if I don't believe what they believe, I'm not sound. It's the same idea. It's boasting. It's kind of underhanded. It's sneaky boasting, but it's boasting nevertheless. It's like a Gentile Christian saying, well, if the Jews would just think through things, they would believe this. Or a Jewish Christian in the first century saying, well, if the Gentiles would just, you know, be a little bit more logical in their thinking, so you're saying they're illogical? So you understand what I'm saying? We have to be careful with how we talk, what we say, how we talk ourselves, or we could be guilty of boasting, which is a sin. And one of the, I see it even in materials that we use, in books that we give out. One quote I read was this, talking about um, religious groups. It says, they refuse to accept the entirety of God's plan of redemption for mankind. They ignore the elements that they simply don't understand or refuse to accept. That's in a book we give out, by the way. I don't like that. Or it says this, there is no rational, spiritually honest person in the world who can refute God's plan of salvation. I understand that if you truly understand the plan of salvation, I know it's irrefutable, God's grace and all that. But... Be careful when you start accusing people of not being rational or honest. Or when you say things like, well, the fact that that person doesn't listen to us is they just won't sincerely listen. Oh, they're just not sincere. I guarantee it that most people that go to churches anywhere on Sunday are sincere people. Right? They are. They're not bad people. They're not people that aren't trying to serve God. They're not people that hate Jesus or hate the word of God. I bet you... They're sincere. Now, we might have differences that we're going to need to work through. That's, of course. But to doubt a person's sincerity is boasting. If the Jews doubted the sincerity of the Gentiles, or the Gentiles did that of the Jews in the first century, Paul wrote a whole letter about why they shouldn't doubt their sincerity. So do we hear ourselves when we say things like that? Do we hear ourselves that how that might sound to someone that's not part of our little inner circle? It comes across as boasting. And what kind of damage are we doing to the cause of Christ when we behave that way? What kind of damage do we do even to our own spiritual well-being when we behave that way? See, if we can paint the world as well, the world doesn't love the truth. 
Everybody else doesn't love Jesus. No one else understands it like I do. We can be arrogant, and it almost alleviates us from the responsibility of teaching others. See, if we can categorize everybody as dishonest and insincere and, and, and not loving the truth, we can say, well, I'm not going to waste my time with them. I'll just keep doing what I've always done and feel good about myself. Or maybe we're the ones that want our ears tickled. What kind of damage do we do when we boast? Boasting is a sin. And when we come across as saying we're the only honest ones, we're the only ones that know how to study, we're the only ones that really want the truth, we are boasting and we're leading other people astray. So you wonder why people at times hurt against Christians. It's because sometimes we don't act very Christ-like. When we boast and when we brag, that's when people say things like, well, you're the only ones that think you're going to heaven. Well, when we act like that, that's what happens, right? Or when we, when we are spending all of our time criticizing others and not elevating Jesus, that's why people say things like, you just like to bash other churches. Or you think you're better than everybody else. When we go around boasting, that's what happens. I told you this lesson would make us a little bit uncomfortable. I think we're guilty of the sin of boasting. I know I am. There's, and I'm still guilty of it. There's times I like to toot my own horn, act like I'm right, and talk about why everybody else is wrong except me. That's boasting, and that's a sin. Proverbs 27, verse 2, again, it says, let someone else praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. As you look through the book of Romans, it's very clear we have no right to boast. Now, we can talk about differences in belief. That's, that's fair. That's good. We should. I know that the church in the first century had to work through all sorts of differences. You don't think Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians came to, to church with all sorts of theological baggage? I guarantee it they did. We read about it earlier in the last chapter we looked at in the book of Romans. But when we work through it together with love, with humility, with lowly regard for ourselves and a high regard for others, then we can work through those differences and come to an understanding and maybe be able to work together. But when we come at it with the mindset of, I'm right, they're wrong, I love the truth, they don't, we'll never be united. We'll never work together. We'll never be the church that we should be. You know, I, I put it up there on the screen. I was thinking about it this way. Not everybody who attends the Church of Christ is saved, and not everyone who doesn't is lost. A lot of times we think, that, well, as long as you have a certain name or this title, then you're saved. On the flip side, not everyone who's different from us is lost, and not everyone who is the same as us is saved. Just because someone is just like me does not mean they're saved because Cliff Sabro could be lost. We need to make sure that we're not boasting. Boasting hurt the church in Rome. That's why Paul spent this time writing this letter to them to try to correct this issue because boasting divided that church when, in fact, they needed to be working toward unity. When we boast, we divide the church. When we boast and brag, we, we eliminate any possibility to reach out to others. Boasting inhibits spiritual growth. You cannot grow spiritually when you think you have it all figured out. 
There's no room to grow anymore, right? If you're already at the top, what else is there to improve upon? We have to be humble people that are willing to ask questions, that are willing to hear criticism, that are willing to think things through, that are willing to dialogue and to discuss, that we don't just put up barriers by bashing other people, but instead we look for common ground in order to find ways that we can work together and come to an understanding of the truth together. See, I believe that people out there, most people want to follow God. I believe most people that are, are in most churches are sincere, and they love Jesus, and they love the Bible. I believe most people here are sincere, love Jesus, and love the Bible. Because of that, we got such a common ground that we can build upon, and then together, we can learn the truth about Jesus Christ. Together, we can build each other up, and together, we can be the church that we are supposed to be. Not a church that's segmented and divided, but a church that's united upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the church that we're supposed to be. But when we just sit around boasting and bashing, no one grows. So then in chapter 15, verse 13, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, look, I want you to have joy. I want you to have peace. I want you to have hope. Not arrogance, pride, and vanity. And then look what he says in the next verse, just in case you're saying, well, Cliff, you're saying that we shouldn't ever talk about what's right and what's wrong and ever have a doctrinal stance on anything. I'm not saying that. Look what he says in verse 14, though. He says, and concerning you, my brethren, I myself am convinced that you yourself are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. When we approach people with humility, then we can admonish one another. When we work together with like-minded individuals who are trying to serve God and, and, and find that common ground and, and study with one another and discuss with one another, we can admonish one another. But no one wants to be admonished by the person who thinks they're better than them. No one ever wants to be corrected by that person that thinks that they've done no wrong, right? What's that, you know, you see that, that bumper sticker or license plate frame around town that says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven, we have to now give that disclaimer because a lot of times we act like we're perfect and we tell everybody else why they're not. But if we can be humble, if we can be people that, that are, are open to criticism ourselves, that are open to correction ourselves, and that carry ourselves with love, then we have the time and place to admonish. That means to correct, maybe to rebuke one another. That's when we're able to work through even those deep-rooted theological doctrinal differences that separate, you know, churches. But when we begin with boasting, we'll never get to the admonishing part. It'll never happen. And I love what he says here, too. He says, I'm convinced that you're full of goodness. You guys can do this. And I'm convinced, too, that, that our church is full of goodness. We can do this. We just have to make sure we don't give in to boasting because boasting will cost us our souls and possibly the soul's of others. But when we stop boasting, something wonderful happens. Look at chapter 15, verse 6. It says, so that you with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we stop boasting about ourselves, we have a lot more room to boast about Jesus. 
when we start talking, uh, stop talking about how right we are and how wrong everybody else is, we have more time to talk about how right Jesus is and how wrong sin is. When we stop you know, lifting up and inflating our own egos, we can start elevating and exalting the risen, resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to do. That's why boasting is such a sin, such a big sin in Scripture, is it because it elevates us to the position of Messiah, and it leaves Jesus over here. Let's not be a people that boast. I know that lesson was a little bit uncomfortable. I know that lesson is one of those ones where afterwards someone will tell me that I'm meddling and not preaching anymore or something like that. That's okay. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to teach lessons that step on our toes, that make us uncomfortable, that make us go home and then say a prayer asking for God to forgive us because we need a fix some areas. This lesson wasn't designed around one particular instance. No. It corresponds with what we're looking at tonight in the book of Romans. And truthfully, I think a lesson like this is probably long overdue because if we're not careful, we'll fall back into the default mode. And a lot of times our default mode is arrogant, arrogance. But thankfully, we have a God that loves us and forgives us even in our own boasting and arrogance. If we come to him in humility, asking him to redeem us, he will. If you're here tonight and you're not a redeemed child of God, you don't feel like you're saved, we want to help you leave here with that confidence. We're going to sing an invitation song here in a moment. You can come forward and occupy one of these front benches and we'll baptize you into Jesus Christ. That's You can have your sins washed away. And you can boast about what Jesus has done for you. Not what you have done, but his work on the cross that you are now getting to join yourself with. And if you're here tonight and maybe you strayed away, maybe you've allowed pride to overcome you to a point where you need help, We're here to help you. If you have a need, why don't you come? Together we stand and as we sing.